friends. It's footy and frothies, a special footy and frothies edition. Uh, Daggy with you, flying solo today, having a chat to a great friend of the show and one of the original frothies cast. Uh, Trev Smith, who's joined us uh, before he heads off overseas, before we get into the Christmas time and he starts backing, just to have a bit of a catch-up and see what the future holds for Trev and his next adventure. Uh, hey, Trev, on, buddy. Yeah, good, Adrian. Uh, thanks for having us on the show today, mate. And uh, we broke the news. It's been, for those that uh, follow Trev on socials, which we can plug later, um, yeah, you've just signed a new deal. or We'll be heading off overseas to do some coaching again. Yeah, mate. Uh, be heading... We're looking at heading over to the UK, Old Dart, uh, to Stoke-on-Trent in February, March. Beautiful. Um, And that's with the Staffies, is it? Yeah, so a new club over there that uh, will be playing in the Midlands Premier League called the Stoke-on-Trent Staffies, or Stoke Staffies. Beautiful. Um, So I thought we might just just reel it right back before we get into that and start with... um your background in footy, so right back to the start. No, your old man was a big influence um, back in the day, and um, yeah, you, you, where'd you start off in rugby league? Yeah, mate, as you're well aware, most of the listeners are aware. I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. Uh, grew up in the Mount Druid area. Uh, started playing uh, my junior footy at the uh, prestigious St Mary's Junior Rugby League Club. It's uh, one of the longest. Well, been around since 1908. Uh, then just uh, from there, just uh, played, uh, played some development squad, um, copped an injury when I was older, uh, about 17, and but at the same time, it was probably when I was about 15, I started training teams, and I uh, just knew, like I was a bit of a student of the game, and that's where probably my coaching and training uh, started. Yeah, beautiful. And your coaching, so that's led you, we'll get to some of your coaching stories a bit later on. Uh, do you have, um, first of all, you, you're a bit coy on who you follow in rugby league, so we don't necessarily have to make that public if you don't want to, but um, you're like watching the good teams play, I guess. Do you have any thoughts on the, the current game in, in Australia to start with? Mate, at, at a first grade level, I, I think the game, the product itself is really good. The only thing that needs to stop is the rule changes every five minutes. Uh, we just need to get back to what the game is, and that's uh, rugby league. Yeah, I feel like uh, with all the rule changes, some I agree with, some I don't. Uh, but end of the day, I just think we just got to keep with the rules and they uh, change everything when everything ha- when something happens in the game. Oh, we got to change the rule next week because it is confusing, not just for the players but for the fans at home. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Has there been um, so we'll get actually we'll get straight to your your coaching background. So you started as a trainer. You said it is that was it St Mary's was yeah, that's correct. And where did where did your first coaching roles come up? Uh, St Mary's as well. Yeah, uh, back I was how old was I? Seventeen at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then from there, I was still training teams as well. And then I got my first taste of senior footy uh, in the local A grade area. Uh, here in the Penrith District. In 2005, I was the head trainer for the Doonside uh, Reserve Grade team. Yep. Uh, and we actually won that grand final in Reserve Grade that year. We beat uh, Windsor Wolves in the grand final. Golden point at Penrith Park. Off the boot of, That would have uh, been... Well, those days, A-grade was, I guess, a bigger deal. Then Park footy was much bigger than it was probably yeah. 15 years on. Yeah, definitely, mate. A-grade back then was huge. 
Uh, there was no salary cap or point systems. It was, if you got the money, go buy the players, go get them. So, for, for example, in our A-grade squad that year, we had guys like Troy was <laughs> Troy Wozniak, mm. uh, Corey Pearson, Hassan Saylor, yeah, like three ex NRL players playing in the A grade, and the majority of the guys who played in the A grade uh, played in the old Metro Cup. So there was guys like uh, Mick Hawkins, Tom Rando, uh, Mark Webber, mate, like these Dave Waters, like these guys were superstars of the game mm. at, at a Metro Cup level, and. Mate, they were awesome. And got to understand, back then, uh, Metro Cup, uh, back then, which is now known as the Ron Massey Cup today, back then, though, the Metro Cup was like the old second grade. Yeah. And these um, Metro Cup teams could beat the reserve grade teams yeah. uh, from the NRL because you used to get guys uh, who go and play grade, like first grade, and then they'll go back and play Metro Cup because, you know, they don't have the time, or not, they didn't have the time, but, you know, their time was up playing in the NRL yeah. or back then the old New South Wales record. Probably having to work five days a week and whatever. And yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, and sometimes some of the players were getting paid better money to play Metro Cup than what they were play, to play first grade. And, mate, some of the guys that played back then, like I remember St Mary's last year in the old Metro Cup was 2001. And that's when they were captained by uh, Danny Farrah. So Danny Farris came back from playing for Warrington, who we've had on the show previously, and mate Danny uh, went back. wasn't gonna wasn't going to play, but ended up playing, and they St Mary's ended up winning it that year. Wow! And they, and they, they had a great, they had an awesome team, uh, St Mary's, and then they dropped out after that, and they didn't get back involved into the. Oh well, then they had the St Mary's Penrith Cougars, but as a standalone St Mary's at a top. Uh, level football in the senior competitions in New South Wales Rugby League. They didn't get back into it until 2016 when they entered the Ron Massey Cup in Sydney Shield then. Mm-hmm. So it was a big uh, time frame. Yeah, yeah. What, um, so you as a young fella, 05, what, you'd have been 20? Yeah, mate. Yes. Uh, what'd you learn from, who had the biggest influence you from that sort of time period? And, and who'd you learn the most of, I guess? Um, In 2005, I, I turned 20... I believe it was a few days before the grand final. Yeah. And the coach of the reserve grade back then at Doonside was a guy called Bob Steele. Uh, Bob Steele, a highly respected coach in the Penrith district. Uh, he was like the Wayne Bennett of the Penrith comp. That was yeah. like, like, I know people say, oh, he had the players at most clubs that he coached at. But it doesn't matter. You can have all the best players in the world. You still got to get them working together come game day. And that, so Bob's philosophy, I remember when Bob asked me to be his trainer and I was like, mate, I'm only 19 years old, like, what would you want me to be your trainer? But yeah. anyway, I didn't say no. And I was thinking to myself, mate, I'm going to hope, like, I'm getting all fascinated, what am I going to learn? Yeah. And yeah, I did learn stuff from him. And basically it was, keep it simple. Rugby league's not a hard game. Just get from point A to point B and tackle hard and score when you got the ball. And like, well, don't get me wrong, like, yeah, he still had his structures and everything in yeah. place, but it was nothing over the top. Yeah. And it was just keep it simple. And when you keep it simple, you're going to win games. And yeah. we did. 
Yeah, excellent. And um, from there, you where'd you head next uh, from a coaching point of view? Yeah, so um, I, I stayed at Doonside for a few years, and that, and then I was out of the game for a couple of years due to work. Yeah, and then uh, I ended up at Glenmore Park Brumbies in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Pure accident. Um, what happened was we went down to watch our mates play, and. I remember one of my mates saying, oh, we've got a crap side. We're going to get belted. And they were playing Emmy Plains. And at the time, Emmy Plains were the reigning premiers mm-hmm. from the year before. And he goes, oh, we're going to get belted. And they got mercy. There was a period they were winning Reggie's as well. But they were winning, is that what they were winning, like A-grade and Reggie's? Or they were competitive in both? Or? Who, Emmy Plains? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, they were like competitive. The top, the one yeah, of the top teams. One of the top clubs yeah. in the like A-grade. And reserve grade. And anyway, I was went down there to watch my mates play, and they were getting belted. And like as you do, you, you give it to your mates on the sideline, like you know, a bit of banter, nothing much. And a few people out from Glenmore Park were like, "Oh, we think you can do better. How about you throw a, a jumper on?" And I, and I'm just like, "Ah, I, c- I can't play anymore." And that yeah. it's all good. And that, but I, f- I felt like if I did play, I would have done a better job than the guys that were playing, or most <laughs> of them anyway. But, um, yeah, well, anyway, from there, uh, after the game, I met the coach, a uh, guy called Peter Trevet, who played for Penrith Panthers and the Western Reds. Mm-hmm. And I uh, grew up, he was a South Sydney junior, played at Western Suburb Magpies as well. And that in the, pre- in the lower grades before coming over to Penrith and Western Reds. Uh, got him, and basically, Pete got me back involved with rugby league. I was helping out Glenmore Park. Yep. Uh, wasn't the best years, uh, that because you know they were getting belted each week, mercy ruled, and that. But the thing is, that year it really made me enjoy my football again. Yeah. So you uh, got the, you got that's where you got the bug back. The got, the, got the bug back again because I'm I'm just like, you know what? I've been at successful clubs, your St Marys. I was at Doonside when they were successful, and I thought, you know what? We had no expectation to go out and win. Yeah. But one thing I can say, right, my first week at Glenmore Park, we played at Blacktown Workers. And uh, we were getting belted at half time. And we came back and won in the won the game. So I was one from one. Yeah. It's <laughs> been part of it with Peter Trevet. And that then the result downhill after that. <laughs> <laughs> but still mate, they still won the game what that still won the game, so that, yeah. that's all that matters. And yeah, I still remember it as clear as day. And when just getting back involved uh, through that, which basically got me my bug back, uh, had the time, and it was just good to help Glenmore Park to, you know, the club had a direction that where they wanted to go in, but it was just basically having the right people there yeah. to drive it. And um, so your dad was involved with Glenmore Park. Yeah, so dad didn't actually get involved with Glenmore Park until. 2013. Okay. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. He didn't get involved. So what happened there, uh, so Dad was involved with St Mary's for years. And then Dad had his time away from the game when he moved out to the country up past Bathurst. And, uh, and then when he moved back to Sydney and still had a few years out, but he was still watching uh, like my nephew play and just watching the NRL on TV. Well, then what happened was we were at Glenmore Park one pre-season and 
quite a few of the boys who were at St Mary's for a long time, majority of us came to Glenmore Park. Mm-hmm. So there was myself, Grant Mitchell, Paul Bent, Johnny McKnight, and a few others. And Johnny was coaching the reserve grade at uh, Glenmore Park. And he needed a manager. Yeah. And I, I, t- I turned around to Marco and I said, oh, go ask the old man. He goes, where's your old man? So he's up in the car. So don't say I, I said anything, though. Yeah. I go, you just go up and say hello to him and ask him. I reckon he'll do it for you. And that. Well, anyway, I, I stayed away you know, after training. And that, I stayed down on the fields because, as you know, at Claymore Park, the car park's up top. Yeah. And that. And anyway, I stayed down on the field and Mac has gone. And then I, I've gone to jump in the car and I've jumped in. And the first thing my dad says to me goes, you're a bastard, aren't you? I'm going, what are you talking about? I'll tell him Mac I'll be his manager. So I've got no idea what you're talking about, mate. He goes, oh, what? And I said, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, bullshit, don't bullshit to me, mate. He goes, Macca came up to me and asked me if I wanted to be his manager. And obviously Dad said yes. and that. But at the same time, Dad knew it was me telling Macca yeah. go ask him. Yeah. But I, I just played dumb, you know. But that's how Dad got involved, back involved with the game. and Because then he ended up helping Paul Bent as well with the C grade. Um, and then eventually um, Dad... That was doing a Saturday team as well, won the junior teams. Uh, then I know at one stage he was doing all three senior teams, uh, C grade, reserve grade and A grade, yep. all at once. Then yeah. um, Dad just used to go down to the ground, put his hand up just to help out wherever they needed help. Ground manager, like you, everyone knew him as the ground manager Yeah, uh, down there. And mate, like he, he helped out Glenmore Park a lot. Yeah, and I, and I know um, to this very day, like um, they they miss him. Yeah, so and that like the club still misses him. Like people, I bump into people when I come out here, and they go, "Oh, we still think of your dad. We still miss him down the ground." It's can't believe it's been three years already. Yeah, and that so, but one one thing that the club did do well, and I appreciate what the club did was they named an award after dad. Yeah, so it's good to know that um got recognised for his service, not just to the Glenmore Park Club, but also um, in the district as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. pretty good. Cool. So, yeah, from your, your Glenmore Park coaching, how did you then end up – so you – did you coach in the UK the first time around or was that just a social trip? Um, when I was first went to the UK, I, I did some coaching. Uh, it wasn't like uh, – head coaching role, it was more guest yeah. appearance coaching roles when I was in the UK. And so it was just basically bouncing around to different junior clubs and just making an appearance and put a different teams for different skill sets and yeah, which was pretty good. Yeah. Um did you have a before we get to, to Belgrade, do you have a, a a proudest coaching moment in Australia? Um mate there's been a few different ones, um, but I, I can remember, to me, there's a few different ones, but uh, one that will always stick out was probably the first premiership. Yeah. Because we came from fifth spot, and that, and that was in 2004. Yeah. So I believe that was probably one of the proud ones, because 
I knew we had the team to win it, but to come from fifth spot where most people wrote us off, it was just basically putting the belief into the players that, hey, we've got the best team to win this comp. We know we've got the best team. I know you guys are the best. Yeah. And that, like, let's do this. So, um, and that was in 2004 with the under-12s, Division Two, yeah. side at St Mary's. Awesome. Uh, of, of the uh, your junior coaching, how many have gone on to, to good things or great things? Um, just trying to remember. There's been a few that have gone on. Uh, in recent times, uh, uh, Sean O'Sullivan, yeah. uh, he's gone on, played some first grade. Just come back to Penrith. He's coming yeah, in. Yeah, just signed with Penrith. So I was with Johnny McKnight in 2015. Uh, we had the under-17s at Glenmore Park Brumbies. Um, what else? Just trying to remember, mate. There's been quite a few that have gone on um, to do different things. Like, well, I didn't get to coach him, but um, had a little bit to do with him. Uh, Abbas Miski. Yep. And that, um, when, through my time when I was at Blacktown, and now he's going to be playing for Wigan Warriors in the Super League. Oh, is he? Good on him. Yeah, so he went over there this year, played with the London Broncos, yep. and been picked up to play Wigan. Um, Cade Cuss, he's another one who's gone on to play. Yep. Um, he's been with Wigan Warriors as well. I'm hoping to catch up with him when I'm over there. I know Sean Cappy was one of your favourites. Yeah, in Sean, Sean, Sean Cappy, <laughs> he was another one, another great guy who's gone on. Um, just seeing these guys grow. Um, it's pretty good. Like I've had guys who I've coached over the years that have, um, you know, they've gone on and play high grade football, like you know, like you're on Massey Cups and yeah. New South Wales Cups, and that, but to make first grade, it's pretty tough. Yeah, hundred like, percent. But people think once they're there, they're there. But the work they got to do because there's always going to be someone there pushing you. Yeah. To keep to keep that spot. So if you're not working hard to push someone to knock them out, mate. I think one thing what the league's done now, which I really appreciate, is that before, you know, you had to use players in your top 30. Yeah. Or top 25. And that, and the players knew, oh, they were safe. But now the clubs know they're allowed to use players outside that. So it sort of has that mentality. It opens the, the push-up again. The push-up again. Yeah. Because you see guys that are playing in New South Wales Cup, for example, and you think, why aren't you playing first grade? But they're not in the top 30 or top 25 at the club that they're linked to. But now it's like, no, we can pull them up now if we need to. Yeah. So players did think, oh, well, I've got I'm in the, got my top 30 contract, I'm safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's a great idea. And we've seen that over a couple of years with some clubs without sort of specifying them. You can listen to footy and frothies to see yeah. who we're more critical of, where guys can um have cruised a bit once they got into first grade or thought, yeah, yeah. that was it. So Yeah. Um. Mate, what else? Um, Isaac Tago, yeah, um, at Penrith, uh, was involved with him when he was fifteen years old. Is from that team from two thousand seventeen, that under fifteen side. There's quite a few of them that are pushing through. Yeah, now that are coming through, and I wouldn't um, be uh, surprised if a few more of them um, go on and play first grade. Mm. Um, but Isaac Tago was a good one. Was he the superstar in the fifteens? No, he wasn't the superstar. Was he a good player? Oh, yeah, good player. Like, you knew he had it in him yeah. to go on where he is now. Was I expecting him to make it at this time? Probably not so early in his career, but, again, I knew he had it in him yeah. to go there. and he's now, he's probably going to be a, f- a starting first grader this year, yeah. which is cool. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's another one. Uh, mate, there's that many players that are coming through at the moment. It's like I've just seen so many going on. Like at the moment, um, Dean Zemmett, who played at St Mary's, or had Aussie's very first coach when he started playing. He's actually playing over in England now uh, in the League One. And that um, he actually contacted me not that long ago saying, oh, Trev, when you come over, we've got to catch up. Yeah. And and now I think he's at Whitehaven. Okay. And that, so he's over there. Like, and that, so, yeah, it's pretty good, mate. It's just good to see that players have gone on play at higher grades and not just your local A grade. Uh, so how did you end up in uh, Belgrade, basically? Yeah, so the way I ended up in Belgrade um, was, so I've been involved with... Uh, Helping uh, developing nations, uh, like Chile Rugby League, uh, South American Rugby League. Um, I was doing stuff with Africa United, um, with the African Development Squads. Uh, then Colin Clayweg, who's the owner, boss of the Red Star Rugby League um, fraction uh, of Red Star, uh, he contacted me and was just, hey, mate, um, would you like to come over and coach? Yeah, wow. And I, and I had to think about it, and yeah, I went over, and I enjoyed my time there. How was how was the experience? Yeah, the, what's it like living there? Yeah, but so I remember when I left Sydney because it was our summer at the time. It was like forty two degrees when I left Sydney, and I landed in Belgrade, and it was minus ten. Wow! I felt like I was Rocky Balboa <laughs> and Rocky Four landing in Russia. Yeah, and that was just snow, wet, cold. Uh, it was like oh, I didn't mind it, and I like I quite enjoyed Belgrade. It's a beautiful part of the um, world. Yeah, and that, unfortunately, because of that eastern part of the Balkan corridor there, every time war breaks out, that always is involved. Yeah, but it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, not just country world. <laughs> so man, I was lucky. I got to go to Turkey, um, Bulgaria, Croatia. I went down into Bosnia. Wow. Um, now I've got to see so much part of that world, like of Eastern Europe. Any uh, travel stories from, from there, away from footy? Um, uh, nothing I can say on here. No, fair enough. Yeah. Save that for a, for a beer later. Yeah, save it for a beer um, later. <laughs> what was the standard like? Oh, wait, actually, I, I, I do got a story. Okay. I, I, got, I, got, I, got, I do have a story for you. So the tone that they use in Serbia when they speak is like a real aggressive tone. Yeah. So when you say hello to someone... Or greet someone's Havala, or yeah, like Havala. And that. So, yeah, and, that. and um, I remember I went out one night because they're all like Havala, and that. and I've gone out one night and I saw this beautiful woman that she was the car park attendant at the car park where yeah. we parked our car, and that. and like I've I'm a bit on a good surge, you know, like because we've had a few drinks and yeah. whatnot, and then. I see her and I'm like, Havala, Havala. <laughs> and she started laughing. <laughs> You're not from here. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I think that was, a, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, no luck later with her? Oh, no, nah, mate. Like, to be honest, um, when, I, when I was over in there, like, my main concern was coaching. Yeah. And I, like, I wasn't worried about... Um, me and someone or whatever. It was just basically do the job that you had to, what I was there to do. Yeah. Uh, because then they, like, got to understand, in Serbia, right, their sports are basically, the 
main two sporting athletic societies is your Red Star yeah. and your Partisan. Yeah, right. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the football documentary Football Factory. No, no. Okay, well, basically this guy travels around the world to find out the most deadliest uh, football... Like, um, rivalry. Rivalry, yeah. yeah. And that's so like your Green Street Hooligan stuff. Yeah. And that, well, anyway, the most deadliest one that he came across was your yeah, Red Star and your Partisan. Wow. And I remember watching it yeah. like, before I, like, way before I went over. Yeah. So I knew all about it. And that, but until I was there, man, it's dangerous. So I remember um, I was walking down one of the main streets in Belgrade, like in the city one day, and this person goes, oh, I know you, I know you. And I'm like, yeah, mate, um, how are you? Is you the Red Star coach? I'm like, yeah, mate, how are you? Like, you know, put my hand out, yeah. shake his hand to say, yeah, like, how are you? And he gives me the bird and goes, fuck you, a partisan. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking, fuck, like, dude, this shit's wow. like, like real bad. Yeah. And then I remember the day of the main rival in the football game, and that was partisan versus yeah. Red Star at Red Star Stadium, and I was going, I was going to go to the game, but I, I didn't end up going, and that, and um, but what happened was I remember going up in the town at eight thirty in the morning, because where I lived, I was about a five to ten minute walk from Americana, which is where Red Star plays, like it's where Red Star's based, yeah. and I remember um, going past the stadium on the bus, so I used to walk down and catch the bus. I mean, to go up in the town. But from when I got to, or close to the stadium, all the way up in the town, like on nearly every corner you came across, this is 8.30 in the morning, there was like between 10 to 15 police officers, or army officers, whatever you want to call them, yeah. right, right gear, and then hold AK-47s. Wow. And this was just getting ready yeah. for the rivalry. Because, mate, it, it's a very... Um, Deadly rivalry like the Partisan and Red Star, and that. like I remember going sh- out shopping one day because you know out, out here in Australia, you know you wear your team colours wherever you go. Like people, yeah, you, you're gonna get your banter, but you're not gonna get bashed. No, that's right. That. Well, anyway, I went shopping one day and I had my Red Star stuff on, and I get a phone call later on. And they said, "Oh, did you go shopping at X Y Z?" At like they told me the area, and I said, "Oh, yeah, I went shopping," and they said, "Oh." No more. Um, don't wear your Red Star gear out because we actually went shopping. You're in a partisan area. Wow. <laughs> and they, and they yeah. said, oh, oh, because people knew who you were, that one you were from Australia, you didn't really understand because uh, right. it was when I first arrived. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I could have been dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember I went into a poultry shop because over in Serbia, like your butcher only sells your red meat. If you want your chicken and that, you go to the poultry shop. Yeah, right. So I've gone into the poultry shop, and like by this stage, my Serbian was getting a little bit better, so I could say a few different things. It was broken, and that, and I've asked for me chicken, and then um, the guy goes, "You're not from here. We, we, what brings you to um, Serbia?" And I said, "Oh, the coach uh, rugby." Oh, who you coach rugby for? And I'm thinking, mate, just the other side of the highway is partisan. Yeah. Mate, I'm in this shop. I had no idea. I'm walking around, mate, and some of these guys are big, mean motherfuckers, yeah. man. Like, people think, like, some of the mean guys here in Australia, mate, like, these guys over there would just chop your head off. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking, mate, I don't want to give them the wrong answer. So I whispered, oh, Red Star. 
goes, did you say Red Star? And I'm nodding my head, yeah, 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 I'm Red Star, but I'm whispering it, mate, because I'm in a full shop, mate, yeah. of people. And then he turns around and goes, he's coaching Red Star Rugby, Red Star! <laughs> and everyone's, Red Star! <laughs> and that, and shaking my hand and that. And then he goes, you come here anytime you need your chicken and and uh, anything. You come see me from now on, all yeah. right? And it was awesome, mate. Like, but I'm like, oh, I was lucky. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But we're just a few of the stories, yeah. mate. Like, and that uh, from there. Um, the other side of you, you touched on a slide before. The other side of your rugby league involvement recently has been the media stuff. Uh, how do you enjoy that? And we were talking off you looking to get involved a little bit more back over there once you get to the UK again. Yeah, mate. Um, I, I enjoy the media stuff. The me, the doing working in the media is pretty good. Uh, like I've been fortunate enough where rugby league was where it started. I've been fortunate enough where I've been able to do some other sports, uh, like the Australian Open golf a few years yeah. ago. Um, I was actually meant to cover the golf. PGA Tour last summer. I was looking at doing it again this year. And also, I was meant to do the cricket last summer. And I was also meant to do the cricket again this year. But because of the COVID situation, yeah. it just, you know, because it's not like uh, you ring up two weeks before and plan it. You've got to plan your stuff months in advance. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the COVID situation, I'll just give it a kiss goodbye. Yeah. No. So, but I, when, when I'm back over in the UK, um, I'll get back doing my media stuff over there again with uh, Serious About Rugby League. Uh, that's where it all started back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And that, so, which just started off as a hobby, which sort of opened up um, avenues for me, uh, which was uh, pretty good. Yeah, awesome. And uh, obviously we did, well, I helped you a little bit when you were at Blacktown. So that was yeah. Blacktown workers when they uh, were just starting to feed Manly. Yeah, that's so right. So that's yeah. where you came across a few of those those good young players. Um and yeah, so the, um, obviously through um, through that we've uh, we got in touch, and well, I knew beforehand, but we yeah. started doing footy and frothies and yeah. uh, everything else before you you ventured into your city life. Um, so I guess we'll get to what's next. So you, UK, so you obviously Western Sydney boy, but uh, if a large part of your heart lies in the UK, uh, you've got a lot of good friends there, and looking forward to getting back. Um, yeah, tell us a bit about. UK experiences and what you're looking forward to the most in terms of getting back there and then um, we'll get to, to the staffies I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just uh, before we go there as well, um, I just want to mention uh, Virtus Rugby League. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. you know, um, so v- Virtus has been a big push you know, for, for my coaching uh, just to work with guys like uh, Jason Amos who's mm-hmm. been involved with the Melbourne Storm, uh, also the Wallabies, uh, like just two of, like, you know, like pretty good. Like he's been involved with other teams and that as mm. well. And also with our partnership with uh, Super 6, with Carl Jennings, who's one of the best, not just in Australia, but in the world as a high performance coach to learn from, to learn from those guys and Luke Lewis as well, mm-hmm. um, which we all know what Luke's credentials are when it comes to his playing. But, uh, mate, to work with, Jason Amos has been amazing, and that like me personally, like I I think he would make an awesome uh, first grade coach, and that and I'm not just saying it because he's a mate of mine, but I see the way he works, but his passion is in development. Yeah. So that's why he does all the development stuff, and currently, 
and that's why I believe why Virtus is where we are today is because of our love for developing the game and developing the players. Yeah, um, give them a plug. Where would we find this info for Virtus and uh, oh, yeah, how so, can you get involved? Um, with Virtus, uh, you can just go on Facebook and check up Virtus High Performance or Virtus Rugby League, uh, even one. And that, and uh, yeah, you can go check that out. And yeah, mate, it's uh, pretty good. And we're going to be having uh, different day camps coming up uh, shortly. So, all the information's on the Facebook page through school holidays, or? yeah, through the school holidays, and not even just through the school holidays, just um, throughout all different areas, different time of year. So, go on there, and if you're a junior club out there or a senior club out there that wants uh, some coaching or clinics or whatever done at your own club, get in contact. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, back to the UK, yeah, I guess. Sorry. No, no, I was going to get there eventually, but um, we'll, uh, you've got it all in now. So yeah, UK. Um, so you're heading to Stoke on Trent. Uh, how much do you know about the area, and uh, what are you looking forward to over there, mate? Um, I don't. I've never been to Stoke before. I know that uh, one their main um, sources of industry was potters. Like pottery, yeah. So that's why um, they're known as the Potters uh, in football. Yeah, like you know, people call them the Potters. Uh, it's about an hour south train ride of Manchester. Uh, we're on, we're going to be the only rugby league team throughout all of Stoke. Yeah, uh, part of the North Staffordshire, because uh, obviously we're in the Midlands, uh, Staffordshire. We're in the north of it. Uh, mate, I don't know too much about Stoke. On, yeah, that's fair I, enough. I, yeah. I've read up on a few different things, but uh, mate, I'm just uh, really looking forward to get over there and see what we can do. Um, it's going to be about creating a new environment, a new club. So you essentially almost have a clean sheet, don't you? Like it's you're building it from the ground up. Yeah, myself and um, Martin Pye, who's mm-hmm. the boss. Yeah, uh, and. Obviously, his partner Sharon as well, and a few other people. Uh, you know, we're all going to be working together and starting it from scratch. Yeah, awesome. Um, main differences between rugby league here and over there that you you've noticed is there is there a different philosophy, a different more attacking? Is there or, or is that more sort of a super league versus NRL conversation? Um, one thing I, I find over here, we're pretty much about the structures. Yeah. Now, like I, I believe we're too too structured in the way we play the game, and uh, and everyone seems to play the same way these days. I, I know that's the way the game is, but over in the UK they still allow for the individual brilliance. Yeah, and that like yeah, they're slowly but surely getting to that NRL type of way where got to be robots, everyone's got to be structured to their play, and uh, and which I think it's not a bad idea, but at the same time. I love, like, in this day and age, it, back in the 90s, and I know I'm going back to the 90s and the 80s and the 70s, and that, most teams had a good halfback. Mm. All the halfbacks were crafty, they were silky. It didn't matter who you gave the Australian jersey to or the Great Britain jersey to, you knew whoever threw that jersey on, they could go out and do it. Yeah. Where in this day and age, like, because it's all so structured, and I'm not taking nothing away from like your, your likes of Nathan Cleary, like he's a brilliant player, like he's good, but in the day, I, I love seeing the individual brilliance of a player play what's in front of you, heads up football, 
do what you have to do, like your Alfie Langers and Ricky Stewart's did, yep. even to a, a thing there, your Andrew Johns as well, mate. And mate, seeing those type of guys play it was awesome. And over in the UK, they still allow that because I look at Chris Sando, for example. So Chris Sando, he got buck like he was a great player and, and he played what what was in front of him, but it wasn't to the structures that we have in the NRL. And when he went over to the UK and played at Warrington, you know, everyone goes, oh, how good is he? Yeah. But it was because he was allowed to play what was in front of him. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and sometimes players like your Chris Sandos, they were crafty, they were silky. And that, yeah, they still had errors in their game, but you can't teach what they do. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and when players are allowed to do that, boom. Because now, because everyone's all about that structure... Everyone knows what they have to do, and you don't really get to see it much. It just looks like a, a machine yeah. going back and forward. And that, but if they allowed um, halfbacks and that to play what was in front of them and play off the cuff footy, it was awesome. Like not that long ago, I was watching the nineteen ninety Kangaroo Tour. Yeah, mate, and seeing like especially like in the second and third test, and that seeing guys like Cliffy Lyons doing their thing. And that, and off yeah, the, yeah. off the cuff, mate. And it wasn't structured football, but it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, yeah. That that sort of all the way through the nineties was was like that. Um, yeah. So I guess that's something, and something you can real uh, work with in the UK. Um, any any idea of what you're working with in terms of personnel, or you're just going to start clean once you arrive and um, have a look, mate? Like I've spoken with Martin. Like briefly, like he's actually in Costa Rica at the moment, the lucky bastard. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> and that um, went over there for his um, stepson's wedding. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations there um, for that. But um, yeah, so I, I've basically said to Martin, like, now we'll have to said to him when it comes to like strength and conditioners and all that type of stuff, get in contact with the local university. There's always a student yeah. that wants to jump on, you know, like a third or fourth year student. Yeah. You know, give them that experience, you know, give them an internship or something, you know, like just to help them out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it helps us out as well. And that, um, obviously, uh, Virtus is going to um, be the official training partner okay. for the staffies as well. So that we got that as well. Yeah. Um, but just to get more people involved you know, because. You know, like, I'm only one person. Yeah, I've got Martin, yes, I'll have his partner and Sharon, and there'll be a few other people, but more hands on board, you know, it's going to make life much easier. Awesome. Uh, any any final messages for anyone's listening from over there you want to send out? Yeah, guys, um, just for everyone in the UK, like, I can't wait to get over there. Um, obviously, I've got my friends who are already in the UK uh, throughout Warrington, Wigan, Huddersfield, up through the leads, out the hole. Can't wait to see you guys. Um, for the people over in Stoke who are listening in, uh, I can't wait to meet you all. It's going to be a great, fun time there at the Staffies. Uh, one of my saying is uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, uh, but we will uh, get that um, road built properly and uh, you never know where the Staffies could end up. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and your plugs, yeah, get in your plugs for you, where we can find you and, um, again, Virtus and uh, and the Staffies on Facebook, I suppose. Yeah, so the Staffies are on Facebook as well. 
um, get in contact with the staffies, um, Stoke, Stoke staffies, Rugby League. Uh, you can find them on Facebook and that, um, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, just coming up as well, I believe, this weekend. They, um, back in the 80s, they, had a, they did have a Rugby League team in um, Stoke. Mm-hmm. And m- what happened was, just to give you a quick rundown, um, the guys that had that team, most of them were miners. But when back in the 80s, when the miners went on strike... In the UK, um, they went to, quite a few of them went to Stoke and they created a football or, or rugby league club, yeah, right. a rugby league team, and they played for a bit until the strike and, that, and before they could go back to work. Well, actually, they're having a reunion this uh, weekend, oh, so nice. the, the rugby league, the rugby union, and also to help uh, raise some funds for the staffies, so which is uh, pretty good as yeah. well. So that's going to be this weekend. Awesome. That'll pay some of your exorbitant wage there. Trip, yeah, mate. But, um, so, but yeah, but no, guys. Um, so yeah, you can find uh, Stoke on Staffy, Stoke on Trent Staffies. Uh, then you got the uh, Serious About Rugby League. Uh, you've got Virtus High Performance Virtus Rugby League, all on Facebook, guys. Um, there are websites out there as well, but um, yeah, Facebook's the best way. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, thanks for having a bit of a chat today, Trev. I look forward to getting my Stoke jersey next year. Um, Mate, more welcome to come for a visit. Get it out, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I hope it all goes well. Uh, I hope you, uh, yeah, they kick off. First of all, Stoke kicks off, and I hope you get back over there and um, keep enjoying your coaching and keep growing and um, look forward to hearing more of it. We'll have our UK correspondents from next year on Footy and Frothies. Awesome. Um yeah, thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, you have a great Christmas, if I don't see you, Trev, and all listeners, and uh, we'll talk to everyone very soon. Catch you, mate. Cool, thanks, mate. Have a good one.